Missy called Jadron Binks. Missy, your humble servant. That won't be necessary. Oh, but it is. It is demanded by the gods, it is. Stay down. You saved my again. What's this? A local. Let's get out of here before more droids show up. More? More did you speak? Excuse me. Welcome to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Deep in the bowels of the frozen ice caverns of Hawk, our hosts, Carl LeClaire, Jason Hunt, and Katie Horn, discuss all things Star Wars. So join the conversation and hang out here in the Wampa's Lair. Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampa's Lair podcast. This is episode number 371, Top 10 Characters, Part 1. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Lord Vader to my Emperor Palpatine, we have <laughs> Carl Leclerc. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh man. We were just joking around about this before we hit record and I was like, all right, we got we got to use this. This is the perfect intro. There's nothing yes, better is, than this. This is the original Star Wars Star Wars gangster rap. Uh it, it's one of my favorite videos on the internet. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes it is. No. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Oh my goodness. So sorry again, everyone, that we we had to take last week off. It was a nightmare with the amount of dropped calls we had with Skype, and it wasn't <laughs> Skype's fault for once. It was actually just my poor internet. So um, we, but uh, we we're all wired in. We today, are wired so in we today. Have any and we are ready to go. Yes. Um, until my cat runs by and is like, "Ooh, a cord to play with," and pulls it out of the <laughs> socket. But <laughs> um, but uh, yes. Which which one? Oh, definitely Amos, the little one. Embo's perfect. Uh, Amos I is think. nuts because she's a kitten. But anyway, um, yeah, so we are back to do our – again, we're going to do a two-part series breaking down um, our current top ten Star Wars characters, um, which, gosh, I just can't wait to do. We've got you know, got so much fun stuff to talk about for, for the next two shows. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, obviously, right, like just – Today, as of when we're recording, you know, wake up this morning to all this amazing news about Project Luminous and the High Republic era. So much to digest, and we definitely want to talk about it, too. I mean, not that there's a ton to really talk about at this point. I mean, we just have some minor details, but uh, we do want to jump into some, like, Jedi lore and legacy stuff probably in the next couple of weeks just because it's got us excited thinking Jedi again, which I'm pretty pumped about. But, yeah, yeah, we're we're sticking to the the character – uh, stuff for the next two weeks though like we promised so um, yes but jason oh. we, we had a poll from a couple weeks ago we did where we asked all of you who your favorite character was in rise of skywalker in light of us 
you know, wrapping up our official Rise of Skywalker coverage with your own thoughts, all of you writing in with your thoughts. Um, Jason, what did the Larians have to say about their favorite characters in Rise of Skywalker? All right. Well, we had quite a few responses as per usual. Um, in uh, seventh place with one vote each, um, Han, Chewie, R2-D2, Rose, Obi-Wan, and General Pride all got a vote. Um, in sixth place with two votes, we've got Luke and Leia, as well as Palpatine himself. <laughs> uh, but for those of you wondering, that's not where my vote went. Um, in uh, fifth place with three votes, we've got uh, Poe Dameron and Finn. It's kind of I, you know, nice and ironic that they both got the same amount of votes. Um, <laughs> in uh, fourth place with four votes, we have C-3PO Human Cyborg Relations, which that's where my vote went. Uh, I, this is honestly my favorite performance of 3PO in the saga so far. And that's saying something because yeah. he's got some good stuff in other movies. So um, in uh, third place with seven votes, we've got everybody's favorite new character, Babu Frick, which uh, I cannot fault people for, for doing that. Um, in second place with eight votes, including Carl's, we've got Ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, far away in first place with 18 votes, we've got Kylo Ren slash Ben Solo. And I combined anybody who said one or the other into, you know, one because it, technically it's the same guy. So <laughs> that's true. That's so, true. But yeah, that was that was how the Larians panned out um, as far as their favorite character from The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, any commentary on that, Carl? No, because some of those characters are going to get talked about for me in the next, you know, in the next two episodes. So well, then. I will reserve my comment. Um, but we do have a really fun matchup for you as well at the end of the episode. Um, but yeah, I'll save that to the end of the episode. I'm just excited to share it. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, just a couple, like just, I wanted to make like just two general notes about doing something as daunting as a top 10 character list right oh. before we even dive in. And, you know, this was the hardest list I think I've ever had to create. And the funny thing is, is like doing those, you know, when we ranked the films and talked about those just a couple of weeks ago and how we ranked them and why we ranked them the way we did. Um, to me, that's just fun. Like that's like a game for me. So while it's like, oh man, this is tough, but it's like a fun tough. This was just freaking hard. <laughs> like yes, yes, it was. I felt like I was doing a math proof, and I was never good at those. So um, <laughs> and uh, you know, and like for me, this is my top ten right now, right? And I think that there's a fluidity to stuff like this. Um, that these are the characters that are really speaking to me right now. Uh, again, I have, a, I have a sense that definitely my top three are pretty solid where they're at. But the rest, there's like basically numbers four through ten. They're, they could change on any given day. Um, but the one thing I want to point out, too, is how a lot of the characters on my list, Jason, come from the Disney era. And it kind of surprised me. Huh. And... I think it shows like so it kind of took me by surprise a little bit. And I was like, you know what? Disney's doing some really good stuff with Star Wars. Um, and I think we're getting a very new kind of Star Wars in the past, you know, five to six years here. Um, 
but they're giving us these characters that we can deeply identify with. And for me, the new stuff has really deepened my love for the saga. Even in light of, you know, silly criticisms I've had over the years. And well, I guess I shouldn't say silly. I mean, criticisms are criticisms. They're valid. They're mine. Um, but as much as I've occasionally given things a hard time, like, I, I'm really excited for what Disney has given us, specifically when looking at these characters. They've they've really given me both new characters to love as well as refining my love of previous characters with the stories they're telling. So um, Star Wars just seems to be in really good hands right now, and I'm very happy about that. Yeah, no, I've got I've definitely got uh, at least uh, one or two maybe uh, specifically Disney Star Wars characters in my uh, my list here. Um, a lot of my my characters are spread across, you know, multiple eras or projects or things like that. Um, not all of them, but there's a few. Uh, and I will say, uh, I'm still rewatching the Clone Wars right now to get ready for new season, which I know the first episode has dropped. I have not seen it yet because I am insisting on finishing my watch through first. Um, <laughs> are you you're doing redoing the whole saga. I'm doing the whole season, the whole six seasons of Clone Wars. I'm in season five right now. I've hey. uh, just finished the Onderon arc, so right. well, you're um, making progress. Then you'll be, you'll yeah, be oh yeah, time. no, I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, uh, although I've had to take a little bit of a break due to some other things in my schedule this past week or so. Um, that being said, uh, that's definitely reawakened my love of the prequel era uh, in a way that I was like, oh yeah, this is definitely my home with Star Wars. So. You're going to see some definite prequel uh, picks in my list. Um, <laughs> some <better>. sort of <laughs> reminding of my my Star Wars fan roots uh, has been awa- reawakened. So I was like, ah, yes, this is home. Um, so <laughs> uh, you'll, you'll see some of that. But I'm right there with you, Carl, because most of my list is completely up in the air as t- in terms of it could fluctuate. Like some of these characters may not even be even – anywhere close to being on my list in the next few weeks, depending on what I'm watching or, you know, thinking about or whatever, because other characters will jump way up and things like that. And there were so many great characters that ended up getting, not even making it on my list. I've just felt so terrible about, I was like, why, why in the world (laughs) is Yoda not on my list? Oh, I'm just, I'm (laughs) just throwing that out there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I made my list and I was like, why is Yoda not even here? Don't worry. I don't understand. Got us covered. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I will say, though, uh, I was a little disappointed that Newt Gunray didn't make my list, but he just missed it. <laughs> uh, this is impossible. This is impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Where are those droid dickers? <laughs> anyway, um, uh, anyway, but yeah, no, this is this is like you. This is probably the hardest list I've ever had to make for this podcast. Yeah. Why did we why did we do this to ourselves, Carl? Oh, you know, it's it's good. Lent's upon us. It's good to, you know, do things that are tough. <laughs> so. True. And and our and our Larians like to watch us suffer. Yeah. Um just a little bit. <laughs> um so just like with the when we were when we were talking about ranking the films just a couple of weeks ago and we had, you know, specific criteria of what we wanted to hit on each film. Um, we're kind of doing the same thing here with the characters. So we're just gonna give a very general what this character means to us, a favorite moment. And a favorite quote um, or in lieu of a favorite quote, an extra favorite moment. So um, and even as I was putting this list together, it some of these favorite moments, it may not be my supreme favorite moment, but a favorite moment right now 
also type of a thing. You know what I mean? Right. So, right. Because every one of these characters, we could do a top 10 favorite moments list for <laughs> probably. <laughs> so most of them, um, that's for sure. Yeah. So anyway, um, let's get into it. What do you say? I say we should. Um, oh, do you want to go first? Yeah. Um, and, you know, in old school Larry and uh, Wampusler fashion, we do have honorable mentions. <laughs> so we were yes. we gave ourselves um, two honorable mentions. So we'll name one honorable mention this week and then one more next week. So my first honorable mention is none other than Kylo Ben Ren Solo. Um, nice. So. Uh, in the, this character, obviously, right, based on our poll, really has resonated with folks. Um, and and I don't think just based on our poll, I think it's pretty, pretty common knowledge within the Star Wars fan community that that Kylo Ren Ben Solo is very beloved right now, and and that love is deepening with that new comic that's that's come that's been out. Um, but that being said, uh, what I really enjoy about this character is that. Kylo Ren specifically is someone who is struggling to be relevant and live up to expectations that they pretty much impose upon themselves from what we can tell, right? So his biggest fear in Force Awakens, not becoming Vader. So he's got these very lofty expectations that he's leveled onto himself. Um, And I like that in a character. I like that that's what is motivating our villain is um, just these, you know, those weighty expectations, um, because that's human and what makes a better villain than a good human villain. So I really like that about Kylo Ren. Um, that being said, my favorite quote and favorite moment come from Ben Solo, not Kylo Ren. And my favorite quote, Jason is a word. Ouch. Dad. Dad. Ah, uh. so beautiful. Cause you know what he dad and he can't say it. And then Han's response of I know is it tells us, again, as Star Wars fans, we know what Han says I know to. So what Ben was trying to say there is, Dad, I love you. Um, oh, it's just it, – it, it gives me chills and or tears every time I watch that scene. It's beautiful to me. Oof, that's good. That's um, good. And then my favorite moment is his smile after he kisses Ray. I guess that's just after Ray kisses him. She initiates that. Um, but after they kiss and you just it, the camera shows us this beautiful, big smile on his face. Um, there's just like this tremendous sense of peace and joyfulness to him, um, even though, yes, he is about to pass into the force. There is just finally after this tortured existence, this this young man is finally able to just be at peace. And I love it. I love that moment so much. Yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good stuff. So who's your first honorable mention? My first honorable mention is the Bendu, the <laughs> one in the middle. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, man. I, I love the Bendu. I, I, I Honestly, what, what attracts me to this character is the fact that he is this sort of mysterious force, you know, entity of sorts. Uh, we don't know anything really about him, and that really intrigues me. And we don't even know, you know, if he's spent all his life on Lothal, if he can move, go different places. Because, I mean, he vanished when Thrawn was about to kill him. And who knows if he's still on Lothal? Who knows if he's gone somewhere else or what he's, he's doing, you know? But the idea that there's a, a force being out there whose sole purpose is to try and stay in the middle is just really kind of fascinating and he's just this big larger than life character and honestly my you know my i don't really know if i have a favorite moment with him but my favorite line is always 
Kanan Jarrus, <laughs> Jedi Knight. I don't know. That just echoes so wonderfully, and it's fantastic. So, um, yeah, I like I like the Bendu. He's he's a pretty cool dude, and I'd like to see more with him. And I mean, who knows? Maybe with this Project Luminous, you know, because he's supposed to be this really ancient being. Maybe right. we'll see him again. You never know. Time will tell. Time will tell. I love that he's on your list, though. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. Quick, quick side note. Project Luminous. Do you think the new animated series is going to be part of that? No. No. Okay. It seems like they're really making this a, a publishing campaign. Okay. Yeah. Just curious. Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, it could be wrong. It'd be cool if they did. But yeah. I get the impression that it's just a publishing campaign, at least right now, right? Because they did just say it's phase one. So maybe in a future phase, that could change. So. All righty. Yeah. We'll see. All right, All right. Uh, so number 10. Number 10 for me is um, – and, and honestly, this has a lot to do with Episode 9 but because um, they weren't originally probably going to be in this list, but it's Master Leia. Um, mm. You know, and Leia, regardless of, you know, some of my favorite stuff with her in Rise of Skywalker, Leia is probably the strongest character in the entire saga. There is (laughs) literally no loss that she can't seem to handle and can't seem to work beyond. I mean, she is quite literally stronger than both Luke and Han, right? Those devastating together. Yeah. Those devastating losses, you know, make them run off and one, one runs off into hermitage. One runs off into just old ways of being, but one of them still stays consistent and true to her best self. Um, And that's Leia. And, you know, she's just such an inspirational character. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think I I did one of those. I love when these things pop up on, like, Twitter or Facebook where, you know, they it's basically like a series of questions that you just fill out with prompts. And, like, one of the things is, who would you want to be trained by as a Jedi? Um, and for the longest time, I said Qui-Gon and then maybe Luke. But now I stay with Leia because <laughs> um, I just find her to be the strongest character in the saga. So that being said, my my favorite moment with Leia as of right now um, is her training Rey. Um, and I know there's not a ton to it because obviously they're very limited with the footage they had to use of Carrie. Um, but I just, man, I love it. Uh, it's specifically the way she embraces Rey right before she leaves for Pisana. Um Leia is the exact kind of Jedi master that the, that star Wars has always needed. And we finally got it. Um, so I love, I love that moment. And my favorite quote from Leia shockingly also comes from rise of Skywalker. And when she just says nothing is impossible. Um, Mm. and again, I know, I think I've made this point on the show before, but I love how that line in a very simple way kind of does match up to, Phantom Menace, when we were joking earlier with Newt Gunray, this is impossible, right? And then right after Newt Gunray exclaims that, we get a close-up of Qui-Gon, you know, using his lightsaber to melt the door. And it's this visual reminder that the Jedi are the ones who make the impossible possible. So I love that Leia is the one who's reigniting that legacy. And she's making it something new in the way that she's passing it on to Rey. Um, I love it so much. By the way, my quick sidebar, I watched, I split it up between last night and tonight, but I watched Phantom Menace for the first time in a little while. I've missed that movie. Um, and for me, I was just finding all these really strong connections of how episode nine really seems to 
finish the saga that episode one started. I, and again, I know there's a lot of people that, that would disagree with that, and that's totally fine. And I, I don't think it does it perfectly, but there were just a lot of things. Again, I love Phantom Menace, and I also loved episode nine. So when I watch them, I'm watching them with love. So I'm just I, I see the things that connect rather than the things that probably don't connect. So that being said, I understand that there are probably strong disconnects, but all I can see is... <laughs> these really cool connection points. Um, and again, this is one of those things where I think of that, you know, we see the Jedi doing the impossible and Leia is the one, you know, now decades later reminding this new Jedi in Ray that nothing is impossible. So, and I just like that quote for life, you know, nothing is impossible. Thanks Leia. <laughs> yeah. Or it's, as, it's a good advice as Ray would say. Yes, master. <laughs> so good. Oh. Yes, master. Uh, oh. Anyway, what's your number Better 10? Go. Who's your number 10? Not what my Who? number 10. <laughs> um, is a bounty hunter. Oh. Bounty hunter named Cad Bane. I like Cad Bane a lot. Everybody knows that uh, Carl and I are at odds when it comes to our favorite bounty hunters. Um, <laughs> I'll say however, this. Embo's not on my list. Sorry. Well, so, that's I fine. I didn't have but, a ton to say about him, so I just left him off. I mean, honestly, when I made this list, um, I was in the middle of watching uh, the Reiko Hardeen arc. Where Obi Wan goes undercover and so has to good. team up with Cad Bane and Moralo Evolve. So that probably influenced him making my list. I'm not going to lie. Um, so, um, that being said, I've always enjoyed Cad Bane. I thought he was just a really cool looking character and, you know, sort of a very traditional, um, you know, Old West gunslinger, um, which is really nice to, to get back to that sort of like root of where Star Wars kind of boiled up from um is a a western in space um and so to, to kind of have that really dramatic and very obvious nod back to that and specifically uh lee van cleef um as an actor in uh, various movies such as um fistful of dollars and the good the bad and the ugly and things like that sort of to, back towards his look in those movies uh was really really cool to me and i like that um He's got a great hat too. I do like the hat. Uh, he is a cool character. There's no doubt about it. He's just not. So, that's not my favorite bounty hunter. I I know. I know. Um, but the the favorite moment that I have with him right now, and the favorite quote that I have, are from the same moment. So uh, it's it's in the episode "The Box" mm. um, from the Clone Wars, where they're meeting all the bounty hunters before they get sent in the box, and. Uh, Cad Bane notices one of the Ithorians with his old hat mm. and he just goes uh, and he just walks up and shoots the Ithorian and uh, Obi-Wan as Reiko Hardin's like, you know, looking at him like, what, what did you do that for? And Cad Bane just sort of brushes the hat off and puts it on and says, what? It's a nice hat. <laughs> just i don't know it cracks me up but i love it it's just he's he's cold and callous and calculating but he likes his style <laughs> whatever his style happens to be so uh that's that's my favorite moment yeah. with cad bane at the moment so definitely a moment that defines him it is yeah. it really is nice all right so we're at number nine now number nine i have Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, excellent. Obi-Wan. Herbie, 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 Wan. Herbie, 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 Wan, Kenobi. Bork, bork, bork. Sorry. There's, um, there's your Swedish chef for thank you. Thank you. I, that's what I was milking you for. Thank you. Yes, um, you're welcome. 
So uh, you're going to find that a lot of characters on my list have some similar traits. <laughs> um, but Obi-Wan. Really? I'm shocked. I know, right? But Obi-Wan is the faithful Jedi, right? And he, he who has this deep faith and belief in the will of the Force. And he's going to give his entire person, his entire self, to seeing that will realized. And that's really his arc throughout the entire saga, right? Both in the prequels and then right up through, you know, uh, his his journey with Luke in the original story. Um, Obi-Wan is this character who always exists within the Jedi Order. Um, and even when that order is rocked, right, like it is at the end of Revenge of the Sith, he never gives up his faith in the future of the Jedi and in the fact that the Force will in some way restore that. And when the tragedy of Anakin befalls him, he does. He seems to change his point of view as to who the Chosen One is, right? After he strikes down Maul for good in the deserts of Tatooine, and Maul asks him, is, you know, is, is, is it the Chosen One? He is, right? I think Obi-Wan is someone, um, especially in the original trilogy, that has very much taken on the teachings of Qui-Gon. Um, he is someone who very much is uh, instilled within the living force. But he's still the Obi-Wan of the Phantom Menace who firmly believes in the Jedi Order. And you can see evidence of that in the originals. He's very concerned that Luke falls to the dark side and doesn't, therefore reignite the Jedi order. So I think even though Obi-Wan is still, you know, he changes specifically in his relationship with the force from the prequels to the originals. But the one thing that I would say stays very consistent is his faithfulness to the Jedi order as being something that needs to exist. Understandably different, but does believe that it needs to exist. And I really like that about him. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, my favorite quote, is shocking. You are my brother, Anakin. I loved you. <laughs> um, and it, you know, he really allowed himself to feel an intimate kind of love that was in a way forbidden. You know, if you watch even the way Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan interact together in Phantom Menace, there are a lot of clear boundaries, right? Like Obi-Wan clearly cares for Qui-Gon and vice versa. But the way I don't think you would have ever heard... <laughs> Qui-Gon yell, I love you to Obi-Wan or maybe vice versa. Um, right. It really meant – Anakin really meant something to Obi-Wan. And the fact that he calls him a brother, I just – you know, it, and it makes that – I mean that's what makes that scene so tragic um, is that Obi-Wan really believed in who Anakin was going to be and sadly sees that shattered. Yeah. Um, and – Again, this is one of my favorite moments. I don't know that it's necessarily my favorite moment, but um, like number one of all time. But one of my favorite moments that I've just really been enjoying think and thinking about a lot lately is when he stands up to Maul while Maul is threatening Satine in the Clone Wars. Um, and I love it because he shows how strong he is and grounded in the Force. Um, and... I, again, I guess maybe I should have just put this in with favorite quote too, but because I don't remember all of it, but when he basically says to Maul, like those, you know, those who yield to the dark side are weak, you know, um, it takes a true strength to, to resist it. Um, and I love that, that even in this extremely emotionally crushing time 
Obi-Wan also doesn't choose to drown in despair like Maul, right? Maul is someone when something bad happens to him. And again, Katie's not here to probably defend him. And this isn't me trying to attack him. But, um, it, you know, Maul is this very weak character um, who just quickly gives in to rage when things don't go his way. But Obi-Wan is standing there holding, you know, Satine as she dies and Maul is so pleased, like, ha, ah, throw him in a cell to rot in his own despair. He's not going to do that because that's not who Obi-Wan is, you know, kind of similar to Leia. You know, he's capable of accepting losses and then learning to grow beyond the pain of that loss. So, um, yeah, Obi-Wan's my number nine. I like it. Obi-Wan's great. Um, he's a. Uh... He's an awesome character, and uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, for whatever reason or another, not on my list, though. Well, yeah, you know, it's you know, the thing you'll find out about my list and number not my number nine is going to be extremely indicative of that is that sometimes your favorite characters are just characters that you just like for no rational reason whatsoever. They're on screen for like three seconds and that's it. <laughs> you know, kind of a deal. Poggle the lesser. Um, Jason's number nine. <laughs> what? Poggle the lesser. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, I can kind of talk like him. <laughs> you know, whatever. But no, uh, it's not Poggle. Um, uh, it's Kit Fisto. Nice. Um, this should come as no surprise for people who are longtime listeners of the Wampus Lair podcast. I'm a big fan of Kit Fisto. I have been ever since Attack of the Clones came out. He was uh, one of my first two action figures that I got with Attack of the Clones. Uh, the other was Jar Jar. Um, <laughs> and I had, hadn't even seen the movie yet. So I got the action figure like, you know, three weeks before the movie came out. And I was like, this guy is the coolest guy ever. I know he's going to be on screen for like three seconds, but I'm going to find him. And uh, little did I know he was going to have one of my favorite moments, you know, ever in the uh, <laughs> in the movie. And, you know, knock over 3PO with a force push and just grin at the camera, um, you know, and I was like. We got a fun-loving Jedi. That's fantastic. Everyone's so stoic and somber all the time, usually. Why? You know, I've got this awesome-looking, you know, dreadlock tentacle Jedi um, who who's just enjoys having a good time while he's, you know, slicing up droids. Um, what's not to love about that? And I was so glad when he got some, you know, fun episodes in the Clone Wars and things like that. Um my favorite line of his is from the Clone Wars, and it's it's a direct reference to Sala in uh, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, when it's in the episode, I forget the name of the episode. Um, it's called oh the episode Prisoners during the Mon Calamari arc, where uh, they've been captured. Anakin and Kit Fisto have been captured, and they're about to be thrown into these. Um, you know, essentially it's a mobile prison that's made up of giant electric eels. Um, and they're the, the prisons are brought in and Kit Fisto just sort of looks over and goes, Oh, eels, very dangerous. You know, <laughs> much like Sala yeah. when he's looking into the well of souls and they see the snakes and he goes, ah, asps, very dangerous. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a direct reference, yeah. uh, but it cracks me up. Uh, so I love it. 
Kit Fisto is one of my all-time favorites, ladies and gentlemen, and there's no rational reason for it. I just love him. So that's why he's my number nine. Love it. Great. Yes. Um, Well, my number eight is is not a far cry from my number nine. It's uh, Anakin slash Vader. Um, You know, I mean, this is kind of an iconic character in Star Wars. I do like how you um, (laughs) combined them. Yeah, well, you yeah. know, like you said, even with our poll there, right, with Kylo and Ben, yeah. they're kind of the, they are the same character. Technically, um, yes. So, and I would say the same is definitely true of Anakin and Vader. Um, yeah. the, the thing, right, like the prequels to me would have been. This is this is not bashing the prequels. The prequels' biggest downfall to me, still to this day, is just that they didn't have a stronger actor to portray Anakin. Um, I love Hayden Christensen. Um, I think he does a lot of things really well, but I don't think we have a strong, consistent performance. I mean, I think Matt Lanter does a phenomenal job with his character in Clone Wars. Um, But that being said, I still love Anakin because uh, I like Jedi in the Force, and this is the chosen one. Uh, And this is what I love so much about his character um, in a somewhat, actually somewhat very similar fashion to what I really like about Kylo Ren. Something that's very similar to that, which, again, makes sense that these arcs are somewhat similar, is that Anakin is also someone who struggles to live with expectations, right? He's mm. the chosen one, you know? Yeah. Um, when I just finished watching Phantom Menace tonight, right? I mean, that's Qui-Gon's dying wish. Train him. He will bring balance. He is the chosen one, right? Like, he is so adamant about it. And so you've got this young boy growing up within an order being told that he's the chosen one all the time, but yet never seems to be able to live fully into that. He's constantly being restricted and constrained by this Jedi order. Um, And it restricts him from loving the person he wants to love, you know, Um, which is ultimately Mm -hmm. how Darth Vader is created is it's someone who's elevated to this almost divine status by this order. And yet they never really let him become more than any other Jedi. Um, you know, and, and I like that about his character. You know, I like that a lot. I like that he is someone who is told that he's something special, but is constantly being, you know, um, having blocks put on that specialness. So, Mm -hmm. um, but my, my favorite quote from Anakin comes from revenge of the Sith. And he says, I want more, but I know I shouldn't. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it correlates very well to what I was just talking about. Right. Uh, He, he realizes he's meant to be so much more than who he is in that moment. Um, He's well aware that something dangerous, something awful is, is looming for the person he loves most. And as the chosen one, he feels that he should be able to do more. So I I really like that line. I want more, but I know I shouldn't, you know? Mm -hmm. So Perfect window for Palpatine <laughs> to yes. walk right in. Um, and I would say that, again, as of right now, probably my favorite moment is him throwing the Emperor down that chasm on the Death Star. Um, it's that action where Anakin is, is, is back and he's not afraid to throw off his enslaver. Right. Um, That's the tragic irony of the story of Anakin Skywalker. Right. That he grows up a slave vowing that he'll never belong to someone again. And that's exactly who he is all through the 
originals. Darth Vader is the slave of the emperor. Um, but in this, you know, incredibly climactic moment, Anakin comes out of the dark again to save the one he loves. And more than that is also willing to shed that person who has been enslaving him for the past decade. Um, so very powerful moment. So good. So Anakin yeah. Vader, my number number eight. Uh, it's very good. It's very good. And, and you really kind of get that, that feeling like it was all worth it. You know, when you reach episode nine and he tells Ray to bring balance like I once did. Yes. You know, it, uh, it's so good. It's, I really, you know, really come to appreciate Anakin and Vader more as a character in the last couple of years. So I'm really glad he's on your list. Yeah. He's, um, by you was number eight for you. Well, one more that I've got from, uh, the animated world. Um, and, and this is a character who she initially broke out on the scene in the comics right around the time of the prequel trilogy. Um, and then she was all over the place in the novels. And when the Clone Wars, uh, you know, became a TV show, she made the jump over there. Um, and I was always sort of, you know, just okay with her until her story really started to take shape in the Clone Wars. And this is Asajj Ventress. Nice. Um, I really like her. Um, uh, she's a she's a cool character in in the sense of of sort of her style and kind of who she is to Dooku and uh, you know that sort of gray area as she's his assassin, but also he's trying to you know kind of trying to train her to be his apprentice to maybe one day take down Palpatine. Um, but she's you know one of the few people in the universe who can you know continuously go up against Obi Wan and Anakin and not die. You know, <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> even if she's losing most of the time or half the time, you know, she's not dying, um, which I thought was cool. She was kind of a cool character. And then in season three, when Palpatine ordered Dooku to have her killed and she started this whole journey by going back to the Night Sisters and resurrect, you know, bringing about Savage Press and then ultimately leaving the night sisters after the massacre and becoming this sort of, you know, gray area bounty hunter who ends up helping out Anakin and Ahsoka in the final season of the clone wars. And then the novel that rounded out her story, it was just, um, really, really fascinating. And I found myself really kind of caring for her in a way I didn't expect to as that story progressed the first time around. And I was just reminded of that rewatching the clone wars, um, I was like, yeah, no, she's a really interesting character and a really um, powerful performance and story um, that was done in the show. And I just, um, I just really enjoyed it because it was a very good story and it was just an unexpected story. Like it was something I never expected from her. You know, I never expected the show to to you know peel off and and follow her for a while like that. Um, you know, it was just really remarkable. My, I don't really have a favorite quote from her, but I have two favorite moments that I'm going to to say here. Um, the first is uh, from the 
Battle of Camino episodes. I forget the name. Uh, Arc Troopers, I think, mm, yeah. uh, where she's still evil uh, and she murders Commander Colt by, mm. you know, force choking him and then yeah. pulling him into her saber and bringing him in close for the kiss. Yeah, that's an awesome like, moment. That's, a, that's an epic moment and yeah. devious. Um, but then my second favorite moment uh, for her is when she has to team up with Obi-Wan to escape Maul and Savage. Um, and their banter and, and stuff is just really amusing. Uh, you know, he's a Ventress. I didn't realize you were one of the good guys. <laughs> Don't insult me. You know, and then she hands over one of her sabers and she's like, I want that back. Red's not really my color. And she just sort of <laughs> rolls her eyes as she turns around to face, you know, Savage or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I I like those moments a lot. Um, so, Savage Ventress. Love it. Surprising, but I like her. I a like her a lot. A surprise, to be sure, but a welcome one. But a welcome one, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, well, my my number seven also comes from the animated world, and this would be someone you referenced um, not too long ago in your own list, Kanan Jarrus, Jedi Knight. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love Kanan. Um, and while Rebels as a whole uh, is not necessarily my favorite Star Wars series, um, Kanan is by far one of my clearly favorite Star Wars characters. Um, that we've that we've gotten um man kanan he is the jedi who has to make sense of being a jedi when there's no order love it yeah <laughs> you know this is so cool i mean to be fair right obi-wan has to figure that out too um and i bet you we're gonna learn a lot about what that looked like for him in that kenobi series we're getting sometime next year um, but Kanan is this character. Kanan is also not even his real name, right? He's yeah. Caleb Doom. And he takes on this Kanan Jarrus as a new identity, which, by the way, if you think about it, this is kind of cool. Um, I mean, Obi-Wan does the same thing by going by Ben. Um, but normally, the only characters in Star Wars that have different names are villain characters, right? That take on a different name. Um, Count Dooku becomes Lord Tyrannus. Anakin mm-hmm. Skywalker, Darth Vader, you get it. Um, but Caleb Dune chooses to become Kanan Jarrus. Um, and, man, I just, I love it. I love it. And also, just quick little behind-the-scenes side note, and I don't, I don't know if this was intentional or not, because it is spelled differently, but um, Kanan is um, the name of the promised land, promised to the Israelite people. Kanan is also... Uh, one of the last towns Jesus stops in before going to be crucified. So in a lot of ways, Canaan is this land of promise or this last stop until fulfillment. And in a lot of ways, that's kind of who Canaan is, is Canaan is a look at what the Jedi can become, but he's not the one that's going to fully embody that. If that makes sense, right? Like it's, it's, this is going to be Luke's legacy. It's up in a weird way. It is up to Luke to figure that out. Um, it's like, you know, to, to continue the biblical analogy, it's like Moses looking in at the promised land, yes. but not going in. Yeah, he doesn't get to go in. Exactly. Um, but yeah, Kanan is this phenomenal character that we get to watch over those couple of seasons. Him really accept his Jedi identity, right? Like the very first episode is, you know, 
kid, I'm about to let everyone in on a secret, right? And he puts that lightsaber together and presumably the first time in many years. Um, yeah. And, and takes ownership of his Jedi identity. But it's great because he's figuring out what that looks like without a formalized order. And I love that. And also just, and I, I've made this point before while talking about this character, but I love that he's the one who wields both the lightsaber and the blaster. This was literally the the character that I always pretended to be as a kid when I played Star Wars. I loved <laughs> having my lightsaber and my blaster. Um, so that's who Kanan is to me. He even like tapped that like nostalgic kid within me that always played that type of character. Um, nice. Um, but like you with Asajj, I don't actually have a favorite quote. I probably do. I just nothing was popping into my head, and I didn't really have the time to go back and try to watch all the Kanan episodes because <laughs> um, that's a lot. <laughs> but I do have. Two, it is a lot. <laughs> yes, but I do have two favorite moments, and the first one comes from season one. I can't remember exactly which episode it is. I think it's. Uh, I think it's titled uh, something of Rise of the Old Masters or something of the Old Masters. I think um, it's Rise of the Old Masters. Yeah, um, but it's where he's struggling uh, to train Ezra. And at the end of the right, he, he's going to try to pawn Ezra off on. Um, oh my gosh, what Jedi is Luminara? it? Luminara. Luminara. Thank you. Um, and then at the end of the episode, he makes the decision to train Ezra. So what I love is that Kanan has to learn that he is capable of passing on what it means to be a Jedi. Right. Yeah. He, he can't just expect someone else to do it for him. He has to take resp- if he's going to be a Jedi, if he's going to be someone who is force sensitive and recognizes someone else's force sensitivity and brings them into the fold. He has to take responsibility for what that all means. And he makes that decision right at the end of the episode. It's it is that great quote kind of of, you know, because uh, they make fun of the quote from Yoda earlier. And, you know, if I don't try, how am I supposed to do anything? And yeah. And Kanan says to Ezra, I'm not going to try to train you anymore. I'm going to do it, right? And he makes that decision to consciously pass on what he's learned. Um, So I love that. And my other favorite moment, which probably a lot of people, you know, as sad as it is, but it's hit when he gives his life for his family. Um, (sighs) It's the hardest I think I've ever cried at anything on TV. And it was an animated show. Uh, Yeah, it was it (sighs) was like the first time I openly wept watching Star Wars. It's so sad, but beautiful. Yeah. Um, Right. He fully embodies everything he's always preached now Um, that what's important love. And that's what he does. He gives his life for the people that he loves. And again, in that beautiful moment of clarity, his eyes come back and he sees fully. He gets to see fully. Um, and thanks to episode nine, we know that he is also one with the force now. Um, yes. So, yes. Uh, yeah. So I love that. Uh, Kanan, my number seven. Oh, so good, man. I, you, ugh, I'm getting chills thinking about that, that final scene of his again. Ugh. yeah. I really wish they would release the music for that. Um, that season. I know they only got, they only released the first two seasons. Of Rebels music. Season three and four had some of the best music in the series, so I'm really bummed we don't have that. Oi, Dave Filoni, Kevin Kiner, get on it. Disney, yeah. get on it. We'll buy it. <laughs> Anyways. Um, my number seven, right? Your number seven. All right. Um, 
My number seven is a character who's a nervous Nelly, always getting wrapped up into trouble with the heroes, has a heart of gold, and would do anything for his friends. Well, he has a heart of gold because he's made of gold. It's C-3PO, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh, I, uh, I really thought he'd be higher. Well, I had to separate the two out. I had to separate okay. R2 and 3PO out. So 3PO goes a little bit farther down the list. Um, but he's still pretty high. I mean, he's yeah. number seven. And, you know, there's hundreds of Star Wars characters. But, uh, you know, I, I, love, I love him as a character. I've always enjoyed 3PO um, because of, of what I said. I, I, I like the idea that he's this, this character who is very conscious of the fact that he's a droid. And, you know, will routinely make excuses as to why he shouldn't be able to do things or can't do things because I'm only a droid. But (laughs) when it comes down to it, he really is one of the big, you know, one of the heroes. He gets wrapped up in all the trouble that the heroes get themselves into, complaining the entire way, which is just hilarious, um, usually. Uh, And... And yet he still ends up winding up being a key to victory in certain cases, you know, and we saw that, you know, multiple times throughout, including in Rise of Skywalker most recently. So um, I, you know, the performance of him is great. The uh, idea that, you know, he's he's just trying to go out and fulfill his purpose, which is to be a translator droid and, you know, program for etiquette and protocol um, not but destruction. Not no. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I programmed for etiquette to protocol, not destruction. Um, but uh, next time we see him, though, he's yelling, "Die, Jedi dogs!" Oh, what did I say? You know. Um, anyways, <laughs> but uh, uh, he's he's amusing. He he is just trying to fulfill his function, but he keeps getting wrapped in, up in things that are so much bigger than he is, uh, and so much. In situations that are so much beyond his programming that he, but he still rises to the occasion when needed most, you know, and and you really start questioning that line of you know AI and sentience mm-hmm. with him as a droid, you know, and you do that with R two and the other main character droids, anyways, as well. But three PO is the one that really kind of toes that line and keeps reminding you that I shouldn't be able to do these things, but I I'm doing it anyways, you know. <laughs> He's like. So I, I kind of like that little dichotomy with him um, and and stuff as well. But he he always manages to rise to the occasion and become one of the heroes when absolutely needed. Um, my favorite line is you know one of the early lines that I've ever heard him say, and it's still you know don't call me a mindless philosopher. You overweight god of Greece. Now get out of there before somebody sees you. You know complaining to to R two. Uh, I just the bickering and bantering between R2 and 3PO is one of the uh, mainstays of the Star Wars saga that I absolutely adore and somewhat rely upon (laughs) in in my Star Wars lexicon. Um, My current favorite scene, though, moment with him, though, is and this is just because it's one of the newer ones that I'm still loving is from The Rise of Skywalker, where he is describing Oh, the Aki Aki Festival of the Ancestors. And, you know, how amazing it is. It only happens once every 42 years. Oh, great. Oh, it is, isn't it? You know, and then they all turn to look at him and he's takes a moment to realize he's being stared at and then turns around to see what they're looking at. And it's just nothing there. Um, 
uh, it's just played off so perfectly. Um, and, and I love it so much. But yeah, those are favorite line, favorite moment with C3PO. Human cyborg relations. <laughs> love it. Uh, glad he's on your list. Oh, he. Well, I knew he'd, he'd be, be on your list, but. Yeah, it'd be very hard to, to knock 3PO off my list. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we're we're at number six. This is this is where we're ending. This is where we're ending. Um, I've got another Jedi character. Shocking. Excellent. <laughs> pretty much. I this love is, this. Yeah, I'm pretty sure every one on yeah this side of the list. I was focusing on Jedi like characters. Um, but my number six is Qui Gon Jinn. Um, and uh, man, I've I've loved Qui Gon since 1999. And I think if a lot you don't of these... like Wagon, what's wrong with you, folks? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I again, I feel like I say I'm saying a lot of similar things here on the on the episode, but whatever, that is what it is. Qui-Gon is I, I mean, I yeah, I just feel like all these characters are so similar. Obi-Wan's the one who's faithful to the Jedi. Uh Kanan is the one who has to figure it out what it means to be a Jedi. But Qui-Gon is something different within all that too, though, still. He is the one who does exist within this uh, codified Jedi Order, the one with the Council. But what I love about him is the one, the fact that he defies the Council in favor of following the will of the Force. That's Qui-Gon Jinn. Um, yeah. You know, he doesn't care how that makes him look in the eyes of the Jedi authorities either, right? He never does... He never goes, at least... Uh, far as we can tell he never goes quite far enough that he's going to be kicked out of the order um but it certainly has as obi-wan indicates kept him off the council now granted in master and apprentice we do see that he gets an offer although many of the jedi didn't many of the council members didn't want him to um right and they kind of retracted the offer after the events of that book (laughs) a little bit although he refused it and they kind of went went all right well good yeah (laughs) <laughs> and and I think him refusing it though is even also it's it's a it, perfect for his character. Of course he refuses it. If he accepts it, he's going to be v- much more constrained than he currently is, right? Since he's not a leading member of the council, he does have a little bit more leeway and I think he knows that. Um mm-hmm. he likes to operate in that gray area. Now, that being said, I'm not saying he's a gray Jedi. I'm very much not a fan of the gray Jedi notion. I don't think that makes any sense in star Wars. Um, and I, I, I realized that that was a very it, not considerate thing to say. Cause I know there are a lot of people that love the idea of gray Jedi, but um, I've, I'm just not a fan of it. That being said, Qui-Gon exists within the gray, but not as a great Jedi. He has this great opportunity to constantly Qui-Gon. You've made this statement several times in the show over the years, Jason, that something you love very much about the Jedi is that they're, it was presented to you when you were younger as kind of these prophet characters, right? Mm-hmm. The Jedi were kind of like prophets. And I think Qui-Gon is literally a prophet in the Jedi order because he is the one who's always holding up this mirror to them, calling them out on the things that they're falling short on, calling them out on the fact that, you know, the code forbids it. Screw you, Mace Windu. Um, <laughs> we had like a top 10 least favorite characters. Mace Windu would probably be number one or two for me. Um, but, uh, um, you know, Qui-Gon doesn't care about that stuff. What he cares about is the will of the Force. And that's why Qui-Gon is the one who first learns that path to immortality, the ability to 
you know, maintain one's conscious self after passing into the cosmic force. Of course, Qui-Gon's the one to figure it out because Qui-Gon didn't care about the rules. Um, so, and, and that's always spoken to me in my own understanding of my role in religious institutional bodies is, um, I don't care what the authorities say if I think they're wrong, (laughs) you know, and, and why I would think they're wrong is because that's where the spirit moves me. And that's who Qui-Gon is. Um, he doesn't care about the code. You know, he respects it though. That's the difference, right? Like he doesn't, he doesn't, if he, if he had no respect for it all and he didn't like it, he'd leave the Jedi order and figure out something else to do. Right. Like his master did. Exactly. But he chooses to stay in it. Um, and I think that's, that does say something. Now that being said, Dooku makes a great point in attack of the clones when he's talking to Obi-Wan, you know, I wish Qui-Gon were alive right now. I could use his help. I think that's a great what if scenario. Would Qui-Gon have joined him? Who knows? I don't know. You know, I mean, had, had he known Dooku went the Sith route? No, definitely not. Right. But if Dooku had left, not become corrupted by Palpatine, would Qui-Gon have perhaps sided with the Separatists? I think he might have. Um, I really do. But anyway, that's, a, that's just a what-if scenario. It is. Um, now, my favorite quote from Qui-Gon, and there's so many, um, but it's, <laughs> it's always been, your focus determines your reality. Um, I just... Man, that's a that's a quote to live by. And again, in universe, it's a great quote to Anakin. He's telling it to Anakin. Um, that's and that's very true to what's going to cause his downfall. All he's able to focus on later on is losing Padme and that obsession with trying to gain the power to prevent that is what causes the rise of Darth Vader. Um, but I think I think Qui-Gon literally lives that quote himself right he his focus is on ensuring that anakin becomes a jedi that focus becomes a reality right it does even though he doesn't live to get to see it fully realized he's focused on it enough that it becomes real um and again i think it's just a great life quote you know for all of us that yeah you know when we're really after something in life we if we stay focused on it we can make that into a reality in some way shape or form it doesn't mean necessarily exactly the way you want but um, it's also it's also a warning because if you end up focusing on the wrong thing, you right. could also you know end up pushing things in that direction as well. So, absolutely, good point. Um, but you know, the, favorite one of my favorite moments with Qui Gon, and it's again tough to pick pick one, but it's actually his his duel with Darth Maul in the desert. I love the one in the desert, even though it's you know it's shorter, it's quick, it's more zoomed in, it's a little bit harder to see, which is intentional. Yeah. Um, cause it's meant to be a tease for later in the movie, but yep, it's so good. Um, the way he just throws himself into that fight, um, and he's throwing himself into the fight to defend Anakin, Anakin drop, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, well, and, off. and he, and he's retreating intentionally to draw Maul away from Anakin and the ship. Exactly. So, so I, I love it. And, and I love the ferocity with which Qui-Gon fights in that moment. Because he's fighting for something he really believes in, in someone he really believes in. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of similarities between Anakin and Qui Gon in that regard, right? Anakin isn't as big a fan of lofty ideals as he is of people, and in that moment, Qui Gon fights with a fer- almost a ferocity um, to defend yeah. Anakin. And I yeah. love the end of the fight as he collapses on board the ship, and he's just exhausted. You know, and that was like a fight that lasted 30 seconds and he's beat, absolutely beat. And I think it's this great reminder of 
oh crap, the Jedi are not ready for the return of the Sith. Nope. You know, Qui-Gon's, not at all. Qui-Gon's one of the best swordsmen. Um, that comes from ancillary material, but it's told that he's one of the best swordsmen in the order because he's trained by one of the best of them all, which was Dooku. Uh-huh. Um, and here he is in this brief fight and he's exhausted, just exhausted. So just yeah. ah, love it. So Qui-Gon I love is, the music in that fight too. Yeah, it's, it's so good. Phenomenal. Yeah. So my number six, Qui-Gon Jinn. Excellent. All right. Well, my number six, uh, not quite a Jedi, but probably could have been. Well, maybe not. Um, but this is uh, this is a character from the Disney era of Star Wars, and this is uh, Chirrut Imwe, ladies and gentlemen. I uh, didn't think I was going to get away with a top ten list without mentioning Chirrut, did you? Um, <laughs> I you. absolutely love Chirrut. You know, he's the the classic warrior monk. Um, you know, devoted to his order, devoted to his friend. He's a faithful friend um, to Bays, and he becomes a faithful friend to, you know, um, Jin and Cassian and the rest of the crew there as well because, you know, he, he's devoted to their their mission, their cause, and he is a true believer. He is a, an absolute true believer in the Force um, as a guardian of the will, as a follower of you know the you know the the force uh, i was going to say the jedi but i don't think that's quite correct um but he he really does believe and you know if he had been more you know if he had a higher metachlorian count he probably would have been in the jedi order um but i i do like the fact not only is he just all these things uh but he's part of an order that also just expands on the idea of the Force. It's not a it's not a Jedi Order. Uh, it's not the Night Sisters. It's not the Sith. It's not some sort of dark, you know, malevolent uh, manipulation of the Force. This is a, a another order that seems to be uh, very much in line with the Jedi on a lot of things in terms of of peace and you know being able to you know uh, defending it, that. Um, except with people that are, are not Force-sensitive enough to be Jedi. That being said, boy, howdy, does he get a moment where he basically could have been a Jedi in Rogue One. Uh, it's my favorite moment in the movie, uh, so I can't not have it as my favorite moment for him, and that's the Master Switch, where he walks out in full faith uh, that he will be able to complete his his mission and the goal to you know, turn off the master switch. They can get that message through. Um, and he sacrifices himself like that. And at the same time that he is dying from his wounds, uh, he reignites the faith in his friend, uh, Baze. And just that whole sequence of, of him walking out amidst, the firefight and the dirt and the explosions and everything to, you know, achieve that goal and still on his deathbed reaching out to his friend to encourage him and stoke the faith and bring that faith back into a, a roaring flame, uh, you know, alive within his friend is is just a remarkable thing. And he's just such a a remarkable character and i love him so much my favorite line however um 
is from much earlier in the movie back on Jeddah. Uh, when Saw's partisans are taking them away and they're putting the hoods over everyone. And he goes, are you kidding me? I am blind. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's just the – it's like – I don't know. It was it was completely unexpected when I saw the movie. I was like, oh, they actually went that and went there and he's pointing it out and it's hilarious. So um, – I, I don't know. It, it cracks me up. That and, you know, is your foot all right? After he, <laughs> you know, just completely essentially pins a stormtrooper to the ground. Um, so it's it's great. I love it. Um, one of my absolute favorite characters um, and a character that I am so glad that Disney, you know, brought in with, with Rogue One and stuff like that. It's so good. And And Donnie Yen, you couldn't pick anybody else to play that character. You know, nobody else could have could have done cheer it justice the way Don, Donnie Yen did. So I I have to really give props to him because otherwise I probably wouldn't have liked the character as much. And I've said it before. Mm-hmm. I knew going into Rogue One that he was going to be my favorite character, and I was not wrong. So <laughs> yeah, he's so good. I, I'm so glad that you did name him because he again weirdly just didn't make my list. I love him. I love Chirrut so much. And like you, he's my favorite, probably my favorite character in Rogue One. Um, it's tough because there's so many good ones in Rogue One. Right. Rogue One <laughs> um, is a very good movie. It's, I mean, it's a, such a character movie too. Um, it, it really is. But uh, yeah, no, I'm so glad you brought Chirrut in. And I uh, honestly, he would have been my, on my list probably at number 10 had I not loved Leia's role so much in episode nine. Um, but yeah, all the things you said, I love Chirrut so much. He's great. Yeah. No, um, I, and I really, I, I was literally texting with, uh, you know, our friend Jim, Jim Urso slash Jim Capron this morning. Yes. And, uh, I like, I like how he's not Jim Capron anymore to us. It's just Jim Urso. I'm sure like, he's okay with that. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was saying to Jim how much I would love more content about the guardians of the wills. I and mean, we got that one like middle grade book, which gave us mm-hmm. nothing about the guardians of the wills. <laughs> um, no. it was like a mildly fun story about cheer and Bays. but, um, yeah, yeah I want to know more about that order. That'd be so cool to learn. So I knows? agree. Hopefully we'll get it. Disney created it. No reason to think they won't flush it out. It's at some point. Indeed. So, Indeed. Um, and Hey, you know where we could see it? Maybe not like fully explored, but Cassian knows who they are in Rogue One. Remember, he's the one that tells Jin who was that, you know, Guardians of the Wills. Um, That's right. So, so Cassian knows who they are. It, it, he could have had if a run in with them. Uh, wow. Here's here's a question. Might he wind up on Jetta at some point during the series, and maybe we might see a cameo of Chirrutin Bay's? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. But, so. you know, he does know he does know who what who the Guardians of the Wills are. So that's definitely something that could be explored. However, the Guardians of the Wills is also an old order from yep. what we gather. Right. So he could just it could be men, it could are. be in the Project Luminous, too. So true. Oof, that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So many possibilities. Ah, I love it. Possibilities <laughs> are endless. It's just will they pursue the possibilities we want them to? That is the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there you have it. There are our numbers 10 through 6. Yes. And I'm very excited about 
talking top five next week. Um, but as always, with any of these sorts of lists, we always encourage you to share You know who some of your favorite characters are. You can send us an email about it. You can tell us on Twitter or Facebook, whatever you want. Um, I always love hearing about other people's favorite characters because it's, it's so fun because we're all such uniquely, diversely different fans that we're going to have very much different lists. So um, yeah, I'd love to hear indeed. some some of the the characters that other people are sitting there thinking about loving on right now that we didn't mention. Um, and granted, we may mention them next week, but uh, yeah. So feel always feel free to send us in some of your favorite favorite uh, characters and what they mean to you. Um, it's always fun to hear that stuff. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's going to do it for for this one. Um, Jason, we got a fun matchup though. We do. We do. This matchup is definitely inspired by the return of Star Wars The Clone Wars to Disney+. Plus. Um, so if you're not watching it you know, every Friday, what's wrong with you? I'll be caught up as soon as I'm done finishing the rest of the series. Um, but this matchup was definitely inspired by trailers and from what we know is coming uh, this season. So, Carl, who are you pitting against each other? This is just you get to decide, Larians, before we see it go down. Maul versus Soka. Who do you think takes that fight? Yes. We both we know they both walk away because right. they are in future material. But who actually wins? You that can, is the question. And only you can decide. <laughs> exactly. And we'll see if uh if you're right when we get to you know, that episode at the end of the series, which will be in a few months. So, <laughs> yeah, but yes, I'm very excited to hear what people have to say about this. I think I know where I'm going, but I'm going to give it some more thought before I give my final answer. Um, but that's all I've got. Uh, anything else we need to touch on, Carl, before we start closing down this episode? No, that was fun as always. I agree. I I had a blast with this, and I can't wait to to get into our 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 other characters that we've got here because ugh, it can only get better from here. So, yes. All right. Well, uh, Carl, if people want to weigh in on the matchup or you know anything else we talked about this episode, where can they do that? Uh, of course, we are over on Twitter at Wampas Lair. You can find us on Facebook at Wampas Lair Podcast, or you can always email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Indeed. Thank you for playing us out to this music. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, well, that's about wraps up this episode of the Wampas Lair Podcast. You got anything else, Carl? Uh, the force, I'm one with the Force, and the Force is with me. Excellent. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. <laughs> All right. That will wrap up this episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. It's been episode number 371, Top 10 Characters, Part 1. For Carl and Katie, who's on hiatus, I'm Jason, and we will see you next time here in the Wampus Lair. <laughs> <laughs>